0: Well, good morning, you can take your seats now. Uh, If it's your first time here this morning, good morning, welcome. My name's Dave, I'm the lead pastor here at Connect. And uh, I know we have folks watching online from uh, all over the area, around the world even. And uh, a lot of you though, Washington is home. And for those of you who do live in Washington, you know that this last week has been a very difficult week for three families in particular. Uh, there was a, a group of students high school students who went on a trip down to St. Louis the Six Flags and on their way back they uh, one of the cars in the caravan coming back uh, was being driven by a dad with uh, two of his daughters and uh, two of the one of the daughter's friends in the car and sadly the car was involved in a very serious accident and the father and daughter lost their lives the two friends lost their lives and the, younger daughter is in hospital right now, still in uh, somewhat critical condition. So, obviously, incredibly tragic for those three families. But even as a community, you know, one of the blessings of being a part of a community like Washington is we're a very close, tight-knit community. But uh, what the challenge is, is that when something like this happens, it really does affect uh, many people in the community. Just this week, I've spoken to people who said, oh, I." I I coached that guy at baseball or I remember that girl she would be in the library at at my school and I ran track with with her her sister and all these connections so it affects so many people in so many ways so I want to start out the service this morning that we as a church family collectively could pray for our community but primarily for those families this morning so would you join me as we pray Father God we come to you this morning with heavy, heavy hearts and ask you, Lord, please come. Lord Jesus, please come and be with these three families at this time. We pray for these three families who have suffered such unexpected and tragic loss this week. Lord, bring comfort and peace and love at this time. Lord, there aren't words to explain how they must be feeling, what they're going through right now, Lord. And we do know, Lord, and we do believe, as followers of Jesus, that you come to us, Lord. When, when we are at our darkest place, you come into the darkness to walk through those valleys with us, Lord. We believe that. Like the good shepherd, you walk with us in good times and bad. So Jesus, please walk alongside these families right now thank you lord for the friends they have the loved ones the relations who have gathered around them to support them thank you lord for the love of the community that has poured out support and encouragement at this time let them experience that love and that support but lord let them experience in a real tangible way your love and support at this time and we do pray particularly for the family that lost a dad and a daughter this week whose sister, whose other daughter is still in hospital. Father, please bring complete healing to that daughter, I pray, Lord, let her come through this and um, just physically, Lord, completely heal her, we pray. Be with the doctors and the nurses there. And Lord, we pray as a church family this morning, Lord, that we would experience your love and peace and comfort at this time. And that we, in whatever way we can, could shine your light and love to those around us, especially um, those of us who may in some way be connected to some of these families, that we can show the love of Jesus to them at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So. Obviously, it's been a uh, an, an unusual week. We're we're in a series right now because some a mixtape that I'll tell you about in a second. But I was preparing for today's message, and I knew what I wanted to speak about, and I had it kind of mapped out. And Thursday morning, I sat down to to kind of write out the message. And as the morning went on, I was putting more and more of the message together, and uh, it, it was a good message, even though I do say so myself. It was it was going to be a good message, but as I was preparing it, um, I felt like, man, I, I don't know if this. Is the message for this Sunday as Thursday continued on and and more news started to to come out about this accident? I met with the family, one of the families was a part of Connect Church, so I met with that family. Uh, Then I started to see, you know, on on social media just the the outpouring of love and support from Washington as a whole for for all three of these families. And I, I felt like this particular message, while it was a good message, it wasn't for today. And in this series, there was another. Uh, message I was going to cover later on in the series. I hadn't prepared it yet, but I thought, man, that would fit so much better this Sunday. So I scrapped my original plans, and then Friday and Saturday, I, I started preparing for this message this morning, one that I was intending to speak later, but I felt like the content would fit so much better today. So the good news is the one I'd already prepared, I will speak at some point, so you'll get to hear it. But, uh, but for today, I felt like this other topic would fit better. You see, this series is called Summer Mixtape. And the idea is that we were going to focus in, we're focusing in on one of the best mixtapes ever created. And this mixtape can be found in the Bible. It's called the Book of Psalms. You see, the Book of Psalms, in the middle of the Bible, written thousands of years ago, were written as songs and as poems by the people of Israel expressing emotions to God. So like all good mixtapes, each psalm has its own unique feel, its own set of emotions that go with it. There are 150 psalms altogether and I don't know about you, but when I think of the Psalms, I tend to think of them as being um, songs of praise. You know, these were songs of, uh, with words like praise God and Hosanna and Almighty God. And, and, and we think of them as these, these Psalm writers, they wrote these songs of praise. And there are Psalms like that. And some of the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning are literally taken from the words of those Psalms in the Old Testament. So there are songs that you sung here on a Sunday morning at Connect, and you may not have realized it, but you were singing the songs of a psalm that was written hundreds of years ago, but had just been put to to new contemporary music. But there aren't just psalms of praise. There's actually many different types of psalms that cover a variety of emotions, And there's actually a category of Psalms that we call the Psalms of Lament. The Psalms of Lament. So, what are the Psalms of Lament? You know, various biblical scholars, as they examine the Psalms that were written all those years ago, um, it's, it's kind of easy to see some similarities between some of the Psalms. So they'll, they'll create categories and they'll break the Psalms up into these different categories. And there is some debate amongst scholars as to how many categories there are. And some will have just a few categories and spread them, and then others will have more categories and spread them out more. But um, they all seem to agree that whether there's a few or a lot of categories, that there is one category in common in all of their findings. And that is that there is a section of Psalms that all fit very neatly under this title that we call the Psalms of Lament. To lament is to express deep sorrow, grief, or regret. The Psalms of Lament are beautiful poems or hymns expressing human struggles. That's the definition. That's what these Psalms of Lament are. Beautiful poems or hymns expressing human struggles. You know, the Psalms of Lament, they comprise the largest category of psalms. Did you know that? So of all 150 psalms, about a third of the entire book, about a third of those psalms would fit under that banner of Psalms of Lament. These psalms are prayer They're prayers that lay out troubling situations to the Lord and and make a request for his help. So I knew that in a Sunday to come, we would talk about this idea of Psalms of Lament. I mean, it's a third of the book, so so why wouldn't we want to talk about this topic? But I just felt, with all that had gone on this last week, with this tragic car accident, that, that really this was the Sunday to talk about the Psalms of Lament. It's very relevant for the the situation of these families, but for any of us that have ever been through a painful or a difficult situation, I think you're going to find this morning that um, God knows you. He knows what you're going through. He knows your emotions. He knows your feelings, and these Psalms of Lament will help you connect at an emotional level with some of what you're going through, and these were written hundreds of years ago. So there are two types of psalms of lament. They're broken up into individual psalms or community psalms. Individual or community. So so some of these psalms of laments, they were written by individuals and addressing a specific thing that they were going through in their own life in that situation. Topics in the individual psalms of lament cover experiences like abandonment, sickness, abuse, loss, and so on. And even though they were written by individuals, what would then happen is that these psalms of laments um, would be sung, would be recited, would be was spoken out in years and years to follow by people who could identify with that same situation. There would be an individual who wrote down something about what he was going through and someone else, maybe years later, could say, I am going through the exact same thing. This psalm is speaking to me right now. For example, Psalm chapter six is a psalm of lament. And listen to what the psalm writer says in verses six through seven. This is an individual psalm of lament. I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with tears. My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. I met with one of the families who lost their uh, teenage kid this week and we were chatting different times and at one point the dad said, you know, I'm at that place now where now when I cry, there's just not even tears. I've cried so much in these last few days. As he said that and I read this this verse, I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. This was written by somebody hundreds of years ago. And yet I felt like these were the words of this father at this time. These these individual psalms of lament become our words. Maybe today you're dealing with an unexpected health diagnosis, a financial hardship that just showed up suddenly, the sudden loss of a loved one. and, And you'll connect as you read those psalms of lament with what you're going through in your own situation. Then there were the community psalms, psalms of lament that were written by the writers, but but not just crying out as an individual, but crying out on behalf of our community, of our people. The people of Israel, Psalm 44, listen to this one. It says, you let our neighbours mock us. We are an object of scorn and derision to those around us. You have made us the butt of their jokes. They shake their heads at us in scorn. These community psalms were written in public events of loss like drought, famine, epidemic, national devastation, war. This would inspire these writers to say, God, look what's happening to our people. Look what's happening to our community. Look what's happening to our nation. And again, thousands of years later, some of us can read these these lament psalms and identify as communities. I believe that there are citizens of countries around the world in in hard times crying out against corrupt or cruel governments. People groups crying out together in one voice about injustice. The church crying out to God at the secularism and brokenness of the world today. As a community crying out to God saying, God, look at what's happening. We can relate not just to the individual cries of these psalm writers but the community writings of these psalm writers these psalms as we read them tap into this raw emotion of pain and sadness that people have been dealing with for hundreds of years i think one of the hardest things i face as a pastor and this has come to light this week is being in situations where there's a side of me just wants to bring some answers wants to bring some, some explanation, but, but find myself saying, I, I don't know. I don't know why this happened. I don't understand fully. And when you examine the structure of these psalms of laments, what you discover is that sometimes there isn't an answer to the pain. Wouldn't it be great if we could turn to these psalms and find the answer But that's not what the Psalms of Lament are for. They're not there to answer questions. They're there to to help us process through these times of pain and desperation. And what I found as I studied for these Psalms of Lament, this message this morning, is that actually in all of them, as the writers wrote these these particular Psalms, they they laid out this kind of pattern, this, this process and it was almost a journey that the psalm writer would go through. And, and while it didn't answer questions, it helped the writer of this psalm work through the misery and the pain. And, and this process, this, this pattern, it would break the song or the poem down into three stages. And I thought this morning, as we look at these three stages, this might help some of us. This might help some of us as we're going through difficult times, as we go through painful times in our life. Maybe not right now, maybe we've been in one in the past, maybe there's one coming to the future, but, but understanding these, these stages, this process that these psalm writers went through, it may help us in our journey as well. The three stages were complaint, petition, and resolution. The psalm would have a complaint followed by a petition and then finally closed out with a resolution. So let's look first at the complaint. The truth is, we probably complain a little bit too much, don't we? I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes we can very quickly find ourselves complaining about things and then think after, us, is that really something I should be complaining about? I came across a um, social media feed of a a travel agent, and she was sharing stories of customers that she's dealt with over the years in the travel industry and some of the complaints that they've sent her way. She'll always reach out and say, how was the trip? I'd love to get a review, get some feedback. And she's amazed and she writes out some of the complaints these customers have brought. One customer said, the restaurant said children eat free, but my 19-year-old daughter still got charged for her meal. That was the complaint. Another wrote, my plane journey was a disappointment as the sky was too cloudy. It obstructed my children's view of the sea and it ruined our game of I Spy. (laughs) Let me get right on that. I'll contact the pilot. We'll work on that for next time. Clear skies for every trip you take. One of her customers visited the Grand Canyon. And when she asked how it was, the person emailed back and she said, well, the canyon could have been a little grander. Seriously, the Grand Canyon apparently wasn't grand enough. I mean, sometimes we do complain about some silly things, don't we? Like, have you ever found yourself complaining about something and realizing that's, that's pretty much a first world problem? I shouldn't be complaining about this when there, is, when there are such major things happening in the world. But that doesn't mean that we should never Complain. There are situations in life, I think, that are worthy of frustration, that are worthy of complaint, that are worthy of us turning to God saying, What's up with that? What's that about? I think one of the most striking things about these Psalms of Lament is how they seem to interrogate God. They seem to be these Psalms where, where people are, are crying out to God and complaining. Psalm 13 was written by King David. Psalm 13 is a lament psalm. And listen to how he starts out the first two verses. This is like the complaint section. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? God, come on. How much longer? Will my enemy have the upper hand? What, what is up with this? You can just sense this frustration, this complaining coming from King David. And and if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, I think the reason it's good for us to study these Psalms of Lament because there's a part of us, um, whether we feel like we've been taught this or whether we've just assumed it ourselves, where we felt like, well, if I'm a Christian, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I can't question the big guy. I mean, uh, you know, I don't wanna show that um, my faith is weak and ask these questions. But actually, these Psalms of Lament show that there were people saying, God, how long There's an author by the name of David Taylor. He wrote a book all about the Psalms called "Open and Afraid." Oh, sorry, "Open and Unafraid." I came across this quote from that book, talking about this complaining aspects of the Psalm writers. It is yet again evidence of the kind of visceral honesty that belongs in the place of faithful worship. This is no faithless cry against the Almighty. This is not the attack of an atheist. This is the wrestling out of faith in the presence of the Lord. For the psalmist, there is no civilized speech. There is no stiff upper lip or quiet resignation. There is only more intense address before the face of God. I love that, 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 that word there, visceral honesty. God wants and God's okay with our visceral honesty. How long, God, will you allow this to happen? The Psalms would even challenge God on his own reputation. Not even how it's affecting the Psalm writer, but how it's affecting God himself. Psalm 79.9 says, Help us, O God, of our salvation. Help us for the glory of your name. Save us and forgive us our sins for the honour of your name. God, you need to make this right. You need to do it right for your sake. You're looking pretty bad down here right now for your reputation, for your name. What's going on? This complaining, this complaining, this frustration, but then we see the psalm writer move to this, this next stage of petition. In that same psalm, verse 13, chapter 13, verses three and four, he says, David says, Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. David's kind of complained and shared his frustration with God and said, but God, turn and answer me. Restore that sparkle in my eyes. Don't let my enemies gloat. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. God, please, please. Do this for me here's my petition here's my cry for help would you do this for me please in the midst of our darkness and painful times we can petition God we can pray